0: Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacey Harris. We've got a copy of the Word. Open it up to the book of Philippians, the very last chapter, chapter 4. As we uh, conclude our walk through this little book this week, we'll begin a new series in two weeks' time called Catalysts that you don't want to miss. It has to do with what those things are that speed up or engender or intensify the power and the presence of God in your life. You don't want to miss that, so you come. Your staff collectively have been working on that together, and I'm excited about what it might do and what it will do. Uh, Leading up to our time of revival, renewal, the uh, Bible conference coming up in power, October the 12th starting. Just a lot of neat things coming our way. So uh, today we'll preach our last message out of this book, though. Entitled uh, joyful living we have thought along that theme this entire book what a walk we have had Joy is that happy state of being I defined it the first message for you That happy state of being that springs from a genuine relationship with God That happy state that springs from a genuine relationship with God It's God's intention it's his design that we live with joy And it's our decision every day whether we will. I'm thankful that as Christians today we have the opportunity to live joyfully in the good times and in the bad times. In those times of natural celebration in those times of great challenge. Man, we have, uh, I I tell you, it's easy to celebrate in the good times, isn't it? It's easy to feel that joy. And man, I tell you one good thing is we feel that joy for one another collectively as a body. Man, I want to do something that I believe the Lord's asked me to do today. You know, it's not often in your midst that you have an NCAA champion at anything in your midst right in your home. And we have one sitting in the house this morning back there, Jake Whitaker. I bet y'all had joy, took joy unspeakable and full of glory in that. Jake, we're proud of you and what God has allowed you to do. He's going to use that in your life as a platform to be able to share His grace and mercy. I wish you'd stand to your feet. If you don't know it, you got an NCAA champion right back here, an individual. You ought to give the Lord great praise and honor for what He's accomplished in Jake's life. What a, what a great blessing, brother. And amen. We celebrate that. We celebrate that with you. And Man, as a church, we ought to come alongside one another and encourage that joy in the trying times. And I bet there's people under the sound of my voice that have had trying times in the last month. In church, we ought to be just as enthusiastic to run alongside folks when they're in those moments of challenge and say, Look, we are here with you, and we are going to share in the joy that the Lord is going to bring out of this storm and out of this tumult in your life. We believe that God is going to satisfy your soul in these moments and give you joy even when you shouldn't have it. This is what this book is telling us. How is it that we can have joy? We understand clearly from its teaching that the only way to live in joy is to live inside Jesus Christ. And conversely, this is true. The only way I know of to live without joy is to live outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you're in Him, joy is just what you have and what you are. Joyful living, we've been taught by Paul, centers around Jesus. Him as our source, Him as our single mind, Him as our spiritual pursuit. And in chapter 4, we learn that we must have Him as our strength. 4.13 says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ, who constantly and continually strengthens me, infuses me with the power of God, that I might live my life. Joyfully. Now his strength comes. We've learned this for a reason. It comes so that we might live and live peacefully with others and with one another, especially in the house of the Lord. If there's anywhere there ought to be peace and joy and that we ought to be able to work together, it ought to be in the house of the living God. There's really just no room for divisions and and, and man's strife and distress at the house of God. We need to be a people united together. His strength makes that possible. We also need His strength to live prescriptively. If you want to live a life of joy, He tells us how. Be a person of praise. Be a person of patience. Allow the Lord room to work. Don't dive in there yourself. Allow the Holy Spirit to do His work. Be a person of of prayer, and you will see that the God of peace, man, begins to guard your hearts and your mind. We need His strength also to live properly. In verses 8 and 9, He talks to us about what we think and what we do. And we saw the connection between those two things that is just undeniable. As a man thinketh in his heart is what we learn. So is he? So when you begin to think right, you begin to behave right every time. So we learned that man he gives us the strength to live properly, to think and do. And today my last message is this. And I'm going to try to cover a lot of verses. And I want you to note that there's a lot of messages. I've probably got three or four in my files from just these verses alone. But today I believe God's given me a clear word to maybe draw this whole series into into one little teaching right here today in verses 10 through 23 of Philippians chapter 4 and I want to talk to you along this thing the strength of Christ comes so that we might be able to live what I call profitably live profitably let's read Philippians chapter 4 in verse 10 it says I rejoiced in the Lord How how did we rejoice? greatly that now at last your care of me has flourished again wherein you were also Careful, but ye lacked opportunity. He's saying, Man, thank God that you had another opportunity to give. Man, every time you do, you give. Verse 11 Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere, and in all things I am instructed, he says, both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. Here's our key verse for this chapter. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Verse 14. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. You got involved. That was a a beautiful thing he's saying. Verse 15. Now you Philippians know also. That in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, listen to this, no church communicated with me. He said, nobody else gave unto me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. He's saying at the very beginning, when I left Macedonia, you were the ones that sent me away with my pockets full. Verse 16. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Verse 18, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. They sent an offering with Epaphroditus, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable And well-pleasing to God Verse 19 But my God One of the most famous passages in all the scripture Shall supply all your needs According to his riches in glory By Christ Jesus How many of y'all can give testimony today That God has supplied everything You've ever needed in your life According to his riches in glory What a truth that we ought to grasp today Verse 20 Now unto God and our Father Listen to this, be glory, how long? Forever and ever, amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus, the brethren which are with me greet you, and all the saints salute you chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. There's that Roman connection, they call it in the theological realms. Verse 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, and it could be well translated, be with your spirits. All of your spirits. And Paul says, Amen. Living profitably. I heard a story on one occasion about two city boys who thought they would go into business. They thought, man, we have a, a dynamic opportunity here. They saw this current movement toward the organic and, and locally grown stuff, and they thought, man, we're going to capitalize on this movement. They decided that they would get themselves a truck and and ease out into the countryside and find some local farmer and there buy some produce from him and truck it back to town and sell it to the people in town. They did just that. They dove in their truck one morning early, went out to the country and found a watermelon farmer, brokered a good deal with him, what they thought was a good deal. They decided they'd pay him 50 cents apiece for all the watermelon they could get on that truck. He agreed to it, and they loaded their truck to the hilt with watermelon at 50 cents apiece. On the way back to town, they decided they would set up their shop just as soon as they got there, and they thought, man, this being our first day, uh, let's not try to make too much money. Let's put on a good special. So they decided to sell these watermelon to the people in the town two for a dollar on this particular day. Man, they sold their truck out in a heartbeat, and when they counted their money, what did they find? They hadn't made one thin dime for all their work. One looked at the other and said, I told you if we were going to make any money at this, we needed two trucks to carry out into the countryside, I told you. (laughs) And It's not hard to see what's not profitable now, is it, in the business realm. But sometimes it's not so easy in life. Sometimes in life, as you live, you think, Is my life profitable? Is what I'm doing today, when I get to the end of the day, have I done anything of any impact? Have I done anything that makes any difference at all at the end of the day in business? It's sometimes easy to see the bottom line. In life, maybe not so. And we often begin to think in life just like these two young men that simply doing more is the answer. Well, tomorrow I'll just get up and do twice what I did today. And I'm surely going to come out ahead. Well, I'm here to tell you that in the spiritual realm, doing double unprofitable things is no, more, no better than doing double unprofitable things in the business realm. So we really need a guide today to say, man, I want to I, I want to live my life well. I When I get to the end of the day, when I see the bottom line, I desire that we could look at my life and say, wow, now that was a profitable life. I'm going to ask you today, if you're in the house and you'd say, pastor, I'd love at the end of my lifetime to look back and say, wow, that was a profitable existence. My life counted for something, and my life made a difference. How many of y'all would say that in the house of the living God today? I'd like to get to the into this and see that hey man something was good that came out of my life man I see and and as I get a little older you know we start out just trying to survive don't we I remember when Tammy and I first got married, we lived in that little mobile home. I look back now. We were having the time of our life and didn't even know it. We were just trying to get from from one week to the next. And even many times now, we're still in that same boat. But early on, we were just thinking, man, if we can just survive till next week, wow. If we can survive till we get out of school, wow. If we can survive until somebody gets a real job in the house. If we can just survive, somehow we, we start out in that survival mode. Then we move to that success mode man, we we get that degree or we get that job or all of a sudden we start making that money that, that moves us along and we think, wow, this is a pretty successful existence. But I'm telling you, you don't have to live too long in that success realm until you begin to scratch your head and say, wow, listen, I'm gray haired now. I'm not quite as young as I used to be. And the finish line for me seems closer than it ever has been. And I don't think so much about survival. And I don't think so much anymore about success. I'll tell you what I think about. I think about significance. I think, God, what can I do with the rest of my life so that at the end of it I can say, wow, I did something, something that was significant in the spiritual realm. Something that my life I could look at it and say, wow, that was good. That was a blessing. And man, we move to that place of a deep desire to do something significant. And that begs the question today that I'm driving at that we're going to consider. What is it that makes a life profitable? And I'll submit to you that a profitable life has always got to be a joyful life. When you look at it and your life meant something, that's always going to bring you joy. What is it? What are the things? And I'm going to pull four out. Real high here, and you could preach a message on every one of these, but I'm going to pull them out real high for you. Four things you need to know that makes a profitable life. Number one, a profitable life is a life of gratitude. If you want your life to count for something, become a person of gratitude. And watch the good and lasting and eternal things that can begin to come out of your life into the lives of others. Become a person of gratitude. Look what Paul's saying to this little church. Verse 10, he says, man, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, he's saying, for your support of me. Verse 14, he says, man, you did, you did well. That means it was good, it was welcome, it was timely that you came alongside me in the moment of my affliction. When I needed you most, when I needed it most, there you were. And man, you did a good thing. He says in verse 15 and 16, now this is no surprise. Man, I remember you've always been a great blessing to me. In verse 18, he says, you have met my need to the absolute max. I have all, and I'm abounding because of what you've done. You know what he's saying in so many words? If I boil it right down, you know what he's trying to say here to this little church? He's trying to say, thank you. Thank you. He's trying to say, man, thanks for being there in my life. Thank you for meeting the need. Thank you for bridging that gap. Thank you that when no one else was thinking about me, there you were and you responded to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I wrote this down. The most overused, worn out, repeated words in the vocabulary of a Christian ought to be, thank you. We ought to be the most grateful people On the face of this earth. We ought not adopt that spirit of entitlement. We ought to emblematic of that spirit of gratitude. We ought to set the bar high for the world to see. For if anybody has something to be thankful for. It ought to be the children of the living God. And we need to adopt that idea of, of being thankful in all things. Don't you like people who are grateful? Don't they do something in your life? I heard a story of a Scottish preacher. His name was Alexander White. He was noted in history for the power of his prayers in the pulpit. People used to just come to church to hear him utter a prayer in the pulpit. What set him apart was the fact that every prayer he prayed was uplifting. It was encouraging. And the hallmark of his prayers were gratitude and thanksgiving. One Sunday morning, a parishioner relays this story. He said, I went to church on a Sunday morning. He said, it was the most miserable day I'd ever seen in Scotland. He said, there's a lot of days that are tough in Scotland, but this was the most miserable day I had ever seen. I I almost didn't go, but man, I fought my way through the weather. He said, it had rained, it had poured, it was foggy, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. He said, I walked in and finally sat down beside somebody, and he said, I leaned over and said to him, well, I think Pastor White is going to be hard-pressed to find anything to be thankful for about this particular day and man when the pastor got up and stood in the pulpit and bowed his head to pray he began his prayer with these words oh dear God we thank you that every day is not like this day in this moment in time (laughs) and you see we ought to have that kind of attitude thank you it ought to be a thank you we ought to wear that terminology out a heart of gratitude is a powerfully impacting and profitable thing. Not only in your life, but in the life around you. It's profitable for the thank Don't you feel good when somebody tells you thanks? When somebody just with a heartfelt sincerity says, man, thank you. I got up the other morning feeling particularly, particularly useless. I guess that's a good word. I got up feeling like, man, I don't know if I'm accomplishing anything. I don't know if I'm doing anything. I feel like the end of one day runs into the beginning of the next. And before long, a weeks went by. And before long, months went by. And I'm thinking, what is it anyway that you're supposed to be doing? Have you done it? Are you even getting close to doing it? Are you even in the right ballpark? I was fighting with myself thinking, Lord, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing here today? And and how can I accomplish it? I just don't see anything coming out of, of what I'm doing, particularly useless on this morning. I always, when I'm feeling particularly useless, think it's good to eat. How many of y'all, hey, comfort food? I think, wow, I'm going to go through the Bojangles drive-thru. I whooped in the Bojangles drive-thru. I ordered my biscuit squirted down with butter and sausage, crammed me some grape jelly on it. I was excited about going through the drive-thru with my sweet iced tea. Man, I pulled up to the drive-thru window, and it swung open, and a little girl's head leaned out, and she said, Sir, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you thank you. I said, thank you. Thank you for what? I mean, I didn't tell her I'm feeling about as low as a snake's belly. I thought I wasn't. She said, I want to tell you thank you for just taking the time to be nice when you speak to me on the speaker. Thank you. She said, I'm going to tell you every group in Asheville, North Carolina, has been through this drive through line today. And she said, I want to tell you thank you for just taking the time to be nice when you came through. You know, I've lived on that for months. How many of y'all hear why? Hey, when I feel down, I go right back to that Bojangles drive-thru in my mind and in my body. How many of y'all? Hey, hey, I go right back. Why? Because it does something. When somebody says a heartfelt word of gratitude, man, it does something for, for you and your spirit. But I'm going to tell you, it's good when you say it too. It feels good to express the gratitude that you feel in your heart somebody else in your life. And Paul's saying, listen, thanks. Thanks. I'm going to give you a point of action. You want to see your life count for something, and you want to see people light up, begin to tell them thanks. Begin in your mind today to commit at every opportunity... When the Lord opens a door and taps you and when you see somebody do something significant for you or somebody else or just a smile or whatever it is, you ought to take time to stop. Don't let it just go by. You ought to take time to stop and say, look, thanks. Thanks for that in my life. You don't know what it's done for me. I'm going to give you a point of action right here. Go and tell someone thanks every day this week. I'm going to challenge you. At least once a day, find somewhere. And you'll find, I'm telling you, once you start doing it, you'll find every hand's turn. Man, I got so many people that I'm thankful for and so many things that God brings in. Tell someone thanks every day this week. I'm going to give you a few examples. You ought to tell that wife you're thankful for her and that you love her for the work she does in your home and in your heart. You ought to go to that husband today and say, Listen, I am thankful for you. I am thankful for what you are in my life. You ought to go to that mom and dad and thank them. For that loving, providing And guiding they have placed in your life When that store clerk's good to you You ought to thank her for her kindness When that gentleman holds the door For you, you ought to take time to say Thank you so much When that employee does the job That you would have had to have done as a boss You ought to take time to pat him on the back And say thanks for the job you do When that boss is good to you You ought to take time to not complain About him so much but walk in their office And say thank you that I've got a place to work and that you're good to me. Man, for that Sunday school teacher that prepares every week to sow the Word of God into your life, you ought to say thank you for that student pastor, for that worship pastor, for that children's pastor who ministers to your kids. You ought to take time this week to tell them thank you for that coach on the ball field, for that person that God has put in your life, for that genuine and good friend. And I'm going to tell you, a friend is a priceless thing. A real friend in your life is a priceless thing. This week, you ought to Call them up. And you ought to say, look, I just want to say thank you for what you do for me and for what God's done through you. I guarantee you, you'll find more joy than you've ever known by doing that. I want you to stand to your feet. I'm not going to let you wait. This is your first opportunity. You find somebody around you, and you hug their neck in this moment, and you say thank you, thank you, thank you for what you are and what God has used you to do in my life. you talk about doing a pastor's heart good. You look out and see the people of God giving gratitude to one another. That's a blessing, man. That is a blessing. Seeing sons and daughters and moms and dads, friends, wow. You want to know what a profitable life is? It's one of gratitude. It's not one of entitlement. Now folks, today If anyone deserves thanks, it's God himself. If anybody today deserves us to say with all of our hearts, thank you, it's God for who he is, for what he's done, for how he has blessed us, pressed down, heaped up. And overflowing, How he has poured into our lives, beloved, in spite, in spite of who we are. He loved us when we were unlovable and unconcerned. He loved us so much that he gave his very best so that we might know him today in the free pardon of sin. My soul, church, let me tell you the heart of a true worshiper is a heart of gratitude today. And when we show up at the house of God, it ought to be our primary mission when we walk in the door to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for who you are and for what you have done. And I want to give you an opportunity. Here's another point of action. If you're thankful for God and for anything He's done in your life today, you ought to take this opportunity to stand back to your feet and give the one who's really worthy of all the thanksgiving and all the gratitude that we can muster in this house today, it all belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything good in your life has come from His generousness. And He's worthy of a praise in this house this morning for His goodness. Woo! Man, you want to get happy and live profitably? You just get up every morning and say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. You watch how your attitude and your experience turn. Paul's saying, church, thanks. And I'm going to tell you, and I won't tear you here long, where I won't be able to preach the rest of this message. Church, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for what you do. How you minister to me on every hand's turn. Thank you. A profitable life is one of gratitude, secondly, and i got to hustle, I know. A profitable life is also a, a generous life. A profitable life is also a generous life. If when you get to the end of things, you want to look at the bottom line and, and see that your life has been profitable, begin to be generous. Begin to be generous. This Philippian church gave. They were a generous church. And Paul is commending them for being just that. How do they give? Quickly look. They give opportunistically. Verse 10 says, every opportunity that arises, you took it. And this one arose, and I thank you for taking it again. Verse 16 says, this is not the first time. You sent once and then again. Even when I was in Thessalonica, he says, every chance that you've ever had, you gave. You have given every time that an opportunity arose, you seized it. It was not a one and done deal. He says, you gave Opulently In verse 18, he says, You have met not just one or two of my needs. You have met my every need. He says, I have it all, and I abound. They gave from their need and met Paul's need. Look, thirdly, they gave objectively. They gave to further the ministry of Paul. Look in verse 15, he said, You guys were willing from the beginning to support my ministry. He said, Even when I was in Macedonia and about to leave out, nobody else thought. to to give us something to travel with but there you were. He's saying man why did you do that? To support the gospel as it was going out. They also gave to as a worship offering to God. There was an objective to their giving to further the ministry of Paul and to worship God through their giving. Verse 18 Paul says man let me tell you it was good for me but it was a sweet smelling savor the way that you gave into the nostrils of God. They gave opportunistically they gave opulently and they gave objectively. Man We need to get willing to give joyfully, generously, and lavishly at every hand's turn. If you want to be termed a generous giver, do that. Don't give with a grudging heart. Doesn't the New Testament say the Lord loves a what? A cheerful giver, somebody who's glad. The Lord doesn't want you begrudging what you get. We need to learn to get willingly generous in our giving in our lives. I heard a story of a man that's uh, pretty near and dear to my heart, Henry Ford. Somebody told me the other day that Jesus, I'm a Ford man. Somebody lovingly told me the other day that they found out that Jesus was a Ford man also. I said, really? They said, yeah, he walked everywhere he went. How many of y'all, hey, I thought that was pretty good. (laughs) I took no offense to that. I've been praying for him ever since that, I (laughs) won't tell you there's a story about Henry Ford. He was asked on one occasion to give. Uh, they were building a hospital uh, up there around his neighborhood, and he was asked to give a donation. So the billionaire Henry Ford generously decided he'd give them $5,000 toward the, the building of this children's hospital. Well, the fundraiser for the hospital had a bright idea. He put in the, in the next morning's paper, he wanted the front page headline to read, and it read this way, Henry Ford pledges $50,000 dollars to the children's hospital. I mean, that's a pretty clever fundraiser, isn't it? Well Mr. Ford saw this headline and got irate and he said get a hold to it, say, I need to talk to that chairman of that fundraising committee again right now. He got him on the phone. He said, listen, you're sadly mistaken. I didn't say $50,000. I said $5,000. The chairman of the fundraising committee said, Mr. Ford, I am so sorry. He said, I'll print a retraction in tomorrow's paper. Henry Ford uh, lowered the amount of his gift, $45,000. How many of y'all think that went over well? (laughs) He said, I'll give the $50,000 on one, on one condition. He said, what is it? He said, I want these words inscribed over the entrance to that hospital. I came among them and they took me in. How I many of y'all hear what I'm saying? I <laughs> thought that was pretty good. And Isn't that how we give most times? And if you want to live a profitable life, get generous. Get generous. Mother Teresa said one time, "If you've given something that cost you nothing, you've given nothing." And these Philippians were generous. They weren't wealthy. They gave from their need to meet the need of Paul. And if you want to get to the end of your life and say, "Wow, you know that was profitable, that's a good bottom line begin to hold the things in your life very loosely and begin to give. You know, I don't think I'm ever more joyful than when I'm giving. I don't think the joy of the Lord ever resounds in my heart more clearly than when I'm giving. Church, you want to live a profitable life? profitable life is a grateful life. Secondly, a profitable life, Paul says, is a gener- generous life. Thirdly, I want you to see that a profitable life is also a grounded life. Here's two thoughts. Again, you could preach these if you want to go and preach them and tell them the Lord gave it to you. I don't care, whatever you want to do. A profitable life is a grounded life. Two thoughts here. Well, number one, it's content with God. Verses 11 and 12, Paul says, man, I've learned to be content. It doesn't matter what I have. doesn't matter if I have it all or if I have nothing. I've learned to just be content. You know what that means? That means satisfied. That means having the desires appeased. That means free from care and free from discomfort. He's saying, man, plenty or little, I've learned to be content. You know what uh, Paul said to a young man named Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6? He said this, godliness now, son, with contentment. What did he say? It's great gain. He says, it's much profit when you can get to the place in your life just to live a godly life and do it with great satisfaction. And contentment, he said, that's gain. Ben Franklin once said this, contentment makes poor men rich, and discontentment makes rich men very poor. A profitable life is grounded in being content with God. Secondly, it's grounded in being confident in God. Verse 19, what a verse. He says, listen now, church, my God shall supply all my need, and implied there is all your need, according to his riches and glory. Not only should we be content with God, grounded, We need to be confident in God. I know, beloved, beyond a shadow of a doubt today, that God is going to supply my need. You know what that word supply means? It means this, fill to the full. That means He's going to meet every need that I have. That word supply means He's going to fill it up to the full. Whatever it is I need, it's going to be pressed down, heaped up. And overflowing. How many of y'all can say truly today that God's not only met your need in the past, but you're confident today that He's going to meet your need tomorrow? How many of y'all can say that today? Man, that's a grounded life. And man, that's a profitable life at the end of the day. My mother called and said, I'm going to take your girls out and back to school shopping one day next week. Is that okay? I said, hallelujah, and thanks be unto God. Yes, that's okay. I'll wait to take them till you get back with them. How many of y'all here wait? Well, hey, Man, she came to get them, and Riley was easing out the door. I said, Honey, uh, let me give you a little money. Surely you'll need some money today. She just looked at me and chuckled. She said, Dad, what in the world do I need money for when I've got mamaw sitting outside in the car? (laughs) Now, what kind of confidence is that? What in the world do I need any? Mamaw's going with me. She's going to buy my Starbucks coffee. She's going to buy my lunch. She's going to buy those Converse tennis shoes. She's going to buy anything I ask her to buy. Man, I prayed for Mamaw. How I many of y'all here? Hey, as they went down the road. We ought to be that confident in God. When the devil says, hey, you're a little bit down, you know. Hey, you're a little short now. I'm not sure how you're going to make this. You know what we ought to say, look. Man, you don't understand. I've got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. My father... Owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I have not seen the righteous, isn't that what the word tells us, forsaken? Nor his seed out begging for bread. I I laugh in your face because I'm going to tell you something. I'm confident that my God is going to supply everything I need according to his riches and glory. How many of y'all have found that to be true in your life? What a confidence that we can have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, a profitable life, one with a good bottom line, it's a grateful life, it's a generous life, it's a grounded life, but I want to close with this thought. I want you to also see that a profitable life here, Paul's teaching them, is a gracious life. In verse 20 through 23, we see the picture of what a gracious life really ought to be. It just talks about the relationship of the church. And he says, man, we exist together in a state of great grace. Because at the end of the day, if you want to say your life counted for something, let it be a life that's hallmarked by grace. Look what he says. He says, man, our words ought to reflect grace. Look what he uses. He uses the word greet. He uses the word salute. Paul's words with these people reflected the grace that he used in dealing with them. You know what the word greet means? I love it. It's a very picturesque word. It means to wrap the arms around or to envelop in the arms. He's saying, man, greet them. Cover them. Just fall all over them. Just greet them. His words reflected that love and that grace. Grace means this, benefit favor, compassion, and love. His words reflected that thought. Secondly, he says, our work reflects grace. Look what he says. He says, even the saints in Caesar's household, man, they greet you, and and you ought to greet them and, and welcome them. He's saying, I might be, listen to the underlying what he's saying. There's an act of grace going on in the highest house in the world as we know it. He's saying, thanks be unto God for the work of grace that he's doing in Philippi and the work of grace that he's doing even in Caesar's household. We ought to let people know by the works that we do in here. Man, they ought to look at Trinity of Fairview and say, you know what? That's a place of grace. Man, there's a, a work of the grace of God that's going on there. And we ought to be able to look at churches everywhere of whatever denomination. If they name the name of Jesus, they ought to reflect in their works the grace of of God Almighty. Lastly, he says, I wish. My wish for you reflects grace. I love the last verse and the last phrase. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The grace of our Lord. The favor, the benefit, the compassion. Not just any old favor and benefit, but the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I love uh, a little country music every now and then. There's a song by Rascal Flatts that came out some years ago. It's called My Wish. Y'all know that song? My wish for you is that this life brings it all that you want it to. Your dreams stay big and your worries stay small. And What is it, he says? You never have to carry more than you can haul. When you're out there getting where you're getting to, I hope you know somebody loves you. And feels the same thing, too. This, this is my wish. And Paul's saying, listen, if you want to know what I want for you more than anything, little child, is that you experience the unmerited faith of the Lord Jesus Christ in you A profitable life. Doing more is not the answer. If you think you're going to get up in the morning and just say, well, Lord, I'm going to do double for you. What I've done yesterday, and and somehow that'll that'll make tomorrow more profitable than today. That's not the answer. Paul gives us a picture here of what a profitable life really, really is. He says, you want to live profitably? Get grateful. Adopt an attitude of gratitude. You want to live profitably? Get generous. I think generosity sometimes is not measured by how much you give, but by how much you keep in your life and well said. Man, he says if you want to have a life profitable, get grounded. Get content with God. Just get content with Him. And man, just get confident in the fact that He's going to take care of you. He has thus far. And He will through the rest of your existence, yea, throughout all, eternity. Get gracious. Begin to deal with one another that spirit that he's talking about, of the grace of Jesus Christ. That'd be a joyful experience. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.